You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. All right, how's everybody doing this morning, my Real Life family? You guys good? You excited that this series is almost over? No. <laughs> Probably not. This is a lot more about, this is a heck of a lot more uh, than about money when you really dig deep into it like many of God's things are a heck of a lot deeper than I would give them credit to, for. So, honored to be here with you guys today. Love that video, it's so funny. It's just, it's just so funny and it's funny, sad, funny, funny lots of ways, but um, anyway, my name is Josh. I'm the executive pastor here over finance and staffing of Real Life on the Palouse. And so, honored to be here, honored to be able to share with you during the finance series, and then I'll see you next year again. No. Um, but anyway, we got some cool things coming down the pipe just to kind of uh, wet your whistle. Uh, next couple weeks is going to be a worship uh, series. We're going to talk about worship. Have you guys noticed a difference or a change in our worship culture in our church in the last couple months? Yes. I have. I love it. You know, we started having saying, you know what, we want to lead in, in all those ways, but the chance to get up here and worship fills up my heart, fills up my, my soul as I'm getting ready to, to share God's word here and for people that are investing out in the community or in our, in our uh, children's ministry and all those things. And we invite you to come and join us to worship. Church starts at like when it starts. Like we invest a lot of time, energy, money, and your tithes into what happens for the first 20 minutes up here. Because we value it. We think it's super important. And maybe you're, like, I was singing poorly. Uh, whoever was sitting next to me, my son can attest. I think I missed a couple of things and was off. But I'm singing to God, praising him. Like his children reaching up to the Lord and, Father, 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 you are those things. And do you know that the songs we sing are tied into the sermon? We, this is all, like, there's, actually, there's intentionality that you would be thinking, like, are you really going to give yourself to God? Do you really believe that he holds you in the palm of his hand and that he's got you in all areas of your life? So excited about that. And then we're going to do some uh, uh, work with Lent, and that's going to be super cool. Aaron's got some awesome stuff that's going to be happening with that. You guys are going to be wowed. So anyway, we'll, we'll uh, finish through this uh, series here. So ABCs of Financial Freedom, we still have the books and the workbooks out there. If you don't have those, please get those. Um, a, our first week was about our attitude, our attitude towards God, our attitude towards his money that he allows us to use and have and hold and his stuff. B was about bondage, and we talked about debt and what does debt look like, and, and the borrower is the servant to the lender, and how does it feel when you go into debt? Does that just make you feel really good? You're like, whew, I'm so glad I have 120000 of student loans. That feels good. Or how does it feel to be on the other side of that? And I heard a story of a guy who paid off $44,000 in uh, different types of debt, credit card debt, car payments, different things, uh, in just a little over a year and a half or two years. Got after it. Right? Somebody that was intense, intensely wanting to get out of that hand of, of, of being captive. And then last week we talked about C, which is really about the choice and that you have a choice to make. And this week is uh, the ABCD of financial giving, the decision. And I, uh, as I was praying over this to, uh, earlier this morning, and, and I really believe that the decisions today that you guys are going to make have a lot more to do with than money. You may make a decision to start tithing today. You may make a decision uh, to give today. Maybe you've, already, maybe you've already made that decision, and I believe that God would have another decision for you today. 
And so we're going to dive into his text. Um, I got a cool story for you as well. Uh, so let's go to 2 Kings. So it says, uh, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. God gave it. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, the Syrians on one of their raids carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked with, uh, in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were to, or with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his Lord, and thus, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel, and thus and so. Uh, and the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So we have a problem here. Leprosy is an incurable disease in that time. Um, also doesn't make you look great. And um, the heart of this uh, little girl to help her master not die. Um, and then the heart of the king to actually say, yeah, I want you to go. I'm going to send you. And so he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, which I think if I remember from last year's sermon, one talent was like a lifetime of income. Uh, Aaron was doing some math on that. So like 10 lifetimes of income just in silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Hmm, interesting. And he brought uh, the letter, of the king, uh, letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. It tore his clothes and said, I, uh, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. I, he thinks it's a trap. In uh, last year's sermon, if you go back and listen to that, Aaron talks about clothes and how when they rip, a clo rip clothing, it's pretty valuable. So it's <laughs> tiny little bit of clothing. Of course, this news travels fast, right? So uh, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king uh, had torn his clothes, which is a big deal, right? Uh, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. Rewind. Okay, so you have an incurable disease today, let's say. And you, you hear about this person that can cure your disease, call it some sort of aggressive cancer or something. Some, think about something that maybe you've lost a loved one to or a family member that just was awful. And they find out that if you go and wash yourself in the Snake River seven times, that you'll be cured of that disease. What, would your, what do you think their reaction would be? Woohoo! Like, good, I want to live, Right? And this person, think about Naaman. He is like a pretty, he's like the vice president. So he rolls up in his motorcade and all this other, all this other stuff, his entourage, his chariots and all this other stuff. And you're sitting in your house and you happen to know the river that he's supposed to go to. And you send out a messenger. You, you like, you text message him. Hey, yeah, go to the Jordan River, baptize yourself seven times. Take care. Bye-bye. Hmm. So, uh, but Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. So he's mad, not because 
he's going to go get cured, but he's mad because the guy didn't come out and greet him, and, and maybe it's a pride issue that he's struggling with, right? Are not uh, Abana and uh, Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Absolutely, especially the Jordan River, which is gross and mucky, and uh, it's got catfish in it, and, and it's like where the place where they were getting ba baptized kind of narrows down to like a ditch, basically, and all those things. There's lots of other better water uh, in Israel and all over to get baptized in, but apparently that better water doesn't uh, cure somebody of leprosy. Could I not... Uh, uh, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away uh, and went away in rage, taking my leprosy and going home. <laughs> then he has people in his life, thank goodness. But his servants came to him and said, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. You, uh, will you not do it? Has uh, he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, soft and supple, and was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, uh, he and all his company, his entourage, right? And he came and stood before them and he said, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept a present from your servants. So it seems like making a decision in that scenario would be pretty easy, pretty simple. And doesn't it seem like a lot of the decisions in our life are pretty easy and pretty simple? Don't go into debt. The borrower is the servant to the lender. Well, I'm not going to get my boat then. You know. Be patient. Have de delayed gratification. And we're just talking about finance stuff. What about the other things that this book is trying to tell you that are far more important than just the little financial stuff? What about relationships? What about forgiveness? What, that's the investment giver. What if I could tell you about a source that would tell you how to have great relationships? What if I could tell you this source will tell you how to have great relationships with your kids and your spouse? What, what, what if I could tell you that this resource would tell you about how to handle finances? What if I could tell you that this resource would tell you about how, uh, how, to, how to have a great marriage? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, it's right here. It is free. Not really free. A lot of people died that we would have this. Thousands of people, people still die today to try and get this word into places where it's not allowed. Do you know that? There are people being butchered today just to get this to somebody. And I got like 15 versions of it at home, lots of Bibles. I have it on my phone. Like it could attack me. I could probably trip over the Bibles I have in my house and hurt my toe. But it's right here. So we're going to talk about six uh, lessons on making decisions. Um, one of the uh, books I was reading recently was uh, by a gal named Mel Robbins, and she called it the five-second rule. And it's about making decisions. And you have to count down from five seconds because you typically know, most of the time you know what the right decision is. You either delay it or talk yourself out of it. So if you start counting down, five, four, three, two, one, you do it. So like, hey, I should work out. <laughs> well, I'd have to move like physically move, and then, hey, look at that TV show. What's going on? Right? And, hey, I should work out. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Oh, I don't have the right clothes on. That's okay. Your clothes, your clothes will fit better when you work out. 
right? So they're just simple decisions. I have this in my own life. I am 27 days in a row of working out. 27 days in a row, I know. I know, you fat Josh, skinny. And here's what I've decided. Here's what I've decided. You guys can hold me to this. Whether I'm fat, whether I'm skinny, whether I have muscles, whether I'm good looking or whether I'm ugly, I'm gonna work out for 30 minutes a day. Today, in my busyness, when I go home, before we get ready for ovations and we're trying to get ready, I'm gonna work out for a half an hour. Not convenient, I'm tired, all those things, but I, that's just who I am. I also made a decision last night to eat a peanut butter parfait from Dairy Queen. <laughs> and blow, but hey, I still made the decision, right? And so when we're talking about decisions in your life, decisions that matter, decisions of the heart. So here's a tithing story from someone in our body right here, and I'll try and get through it. Um, this is, this is one of you. Here's my ABC financial freedom story. Last year, my husband and I entered a ser this sermon series thinking that we could be excluded from it. We got this. We were in the midst of selling our business. New careers for both of us, a lot of uncertainty, and some resentment uh, to the Lord. Shock and a lot of transition. How could God ask more from us? We were walking away from everything we wanted, worked for, and our future. I would get very defensive to God and the church when money and tithe was talked about. My physical body language and posture would change. My arms would cross in front of me and my face would be stoic and my heart would go cold. But because we were care group leaders, uh, I, felt the I felt responsible to listen Sunday morning and help facilitate our care group discussions. We had always given our 10% out of religious duty and fear because we didn't want God to punish us for not. I think they feel. Think about the things that maybe you have felt like you're working for in your career or your life and having it dramatically change right in front of your eyes. How would you feel about God? How would you feel about that? The Lord is so kind and his gentleness is unnerving. Little by little through the sermons and care group discussions and of course the Holy Spirit, I came to see how much more of a relationship I could have with God through my obedience with a perspective change. My tithing became about my heart and a worshipful experience of his faithfulness to me. His promise that no matter what we would go through as a family, it is all his and that he's got us. Do you believe that? Do you believe in your life, in your situation, when it gets real, when it's not something said from a stage, when you're in the depths of despair, when you're sad, you're angry and bitter, do you believe he's still got you? It was very apparent to us of his goodness this year as we had to pay taxes. Because of our transition, our taxes were not your normal taxes. We were given an extension, and going into, our accountant, uh, going into it, our accountant had given us the impression that we would be getting a refund, or at least we wouldn't have to pay a big bill. I went in, and when they told me they were, uh, when they were done, and much to my uh, not appreciated surprise, saw the long line of numbers that we had to pay. 
So you, everything you were working for is changed. And do, because of that fact, you're now going in to, to meet with Uncle Sam in the state of Idaho, and now you have a big problem. I can tell you that we did not have that much money in our savings. And we panicked. That afternoon when I got home, I grabbed the mail. And in it was a letter stating that two years ago, we were shorted some funds from a program we had taken part in. How much was it? Funny enough, the same amount that we had to pay the IRS in the state. <laughs> Those funds had been electronically deposited into our account, into our bank account two days prior. We broke down into tears of, of God's provision and, and were just amazed that he was providing uh, for us before we even knew we needed him to. That's just how awesome he is. Tithing and uh, spending less take discipline, but for me, it's a get-to. But I look forward to honoring God in more than the 10% so that I can be free from bondage and generous to others. Tithing for me became about my heart, not about my money. That's a real story from real people in your church. So no one's immune from problems. Point number one, no one's immune from problems. Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So I have to love people who persecute me and my enemies so that I can be called sons of my Father in heaven? For he who makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Point number two, God will use the most unlikely sources to give us what we need. Another story, I won't go in depth in it, but there's a single mom in our church, like a one and a half year old, two year old kid. Uh, dad's not in the picture. She's on her own. And she's uh, going to school, trying to better herself. And she's uh, taking care of her, her child. And she, I think she works at a, 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 like a, a coffee shop. And so she had a story about all the amazing things that God were doing in her life when she was tithing from her small part-time job and going to school full-time and taking care of her son. Single mom. Following him, chasing God. Luke 18, uh, but he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Number three, the answers to our problems are often uh, not what we want to hear. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The simple things. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me to put my trust into God. I want to control it. I'm kind of a control guy. What about giving it up? What does it look like to walk with your hands open in your finances? What does it look like to walk with your hands open in your relationships, to open your heart up to people where they might mess it up, they might hurt you and trample you, but they might love you amazingly like you've never been loved before. 
And you might see that because uh, you see it through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Number four, we'll be tempted uh, to come up with our own plan. We just don't understand, Josh. You know, someday. The plan's already here for your finances, for this church, for your relationships, for how, you inter- how you're going to interact at work. He already knows the path. It's right here. We just have to experience it. We have to choose to believe it. Lord, you, Lord, you hold me in the palm of your hands. Well, kind of, not my finances. And Lord, you hold me in the palm of your hands. Not in that relationship. I will never talk to them again. It's all right here. Number five. Uh, oh, I'm only in the Proverbs 16. Let's go back to that. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Did anybody ever have like the great plan in your own eyes? Right? But the Lord weighs the spirit. How, is, how do you know if it's your plan or the Lord's plan? How do you know? Would you possibly get confirmation from other people that are walking with the Lord? Would you possibly spend time praying about it with other people and have community around you to make these big decisions? Do you ask him, Lord, I just need a sign, tell me. Boom, I was talking to a guy today and he was looking at a piece of real estate and he, uh, not today, last week, and he felt so relieved that God shut the door on this piece of real estate. He had such a peace about it. He was like, yeah, it had a full price offer and two backup offers before we even got our offer in. So it definitely wasn't, what it, well, it definitely wasn't ours. And he's like, and I'm good with it because it's the Lord's. I asked for him to protect me. Wise friends will always uh, encourage us to do what God says. Proverbs 12, 26. The one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor. What are you called if you're a guide to your neighbor? Righteous. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. 1 Corinthians, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So do you have people around you? You know, we have this thing called me and threes, me and three other people. And there's lots of them that go on in our church. And in me and threes, they would ask questions like this. Josh, how are you doing with your eyes? Have you looked at anything that you're not supposed to be looking at? Josh, how are you doing in God's word? Have you been reading it for yourself or are you reading it for the church? Because you've got to preach. Josh, how are you treating your wife? Are you treating her like the way that, that, that Christ would, or God, God treats his people, the church? How are you doing with your kids? You know, 45 minutes or an hour talking with each other about what's going on in our lives so we know. So when you start to derail, and you will start to derail, it happens. Who do you have that can call you back in? Who have you bled enough with that's going to be able to be like, hey, dude, that's not it. Hey, lady, that's not the path you need to go. Do you have that around you? Are you seeking that, or are you wise in your own eyes? God's way is always the right way. It's always the right way. It may not feel right. It may not, I may not like it. It may not be comfortable. But it's the right way. His plan is the right plan for your life. We just have to take the time to know it. And you know it through relationship. You know it because you gave your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he's putting people in your life around you to help you walk in this. Hey, what if somebody's asked you about your money? What if they said, well, hey, are you guys tithing? 
because you've built enough relationship with them? Are you robbing God? Because what's their benefit of it if you're not tithing? Nothing them, right? But do they want the best for you? Hey, have you forgiven those people you need to forgive? It's more than money. Proverbs 14, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. As we go through the implications, I invite our folks who are serving uh, communion to go ahead and and get that going, and we'll uh, serve that. Uh, Again, open table. Super cool thing about our church. We don't care what your denomination was or where you were from, what church you were like before. If you're here visiting with us today, you have an open table. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to partake. So we're going to hold those elements till, uh, till the end, and we'll take them all together. So let's walk through some of these implications. Every decision has consequences, both good and bad. Everyone. We get to pick which set of consequences we want to live with. You get to choose. You know how much I wanted to have the freedom to choose and control everything when I was a kid? I didn't want my parents telling me what to do. I wanted to make my own choices. And then I started making my choices, my own choices, and I wanted somebody to tell me what to do. <laughs> and we give people, you know, you have the freedom to choose. Choose what is right and choose what is wrong. Well, you know what's right? Interacting with God's word with other people. That is correct. That is right. Having other people tell you hard things, that is, that is correct. That's right. Even if you avoid all decisions, you will still face the pain of life and the pain of poor decisions made around you. People are like, well, I'm just not going to make a decision. Uh, Colin Powell, our General Colin Powell said, indecision, the act of not making a decision, has cost the American people, the American government, Billions of dollars more than making the wrong decision. At least you learn from wrong decisions. But when you say, I'm not making a decision today for whatever God is calling you to make in your heart, whether it's about tithing, whether it's about forgiveness, whether it's about, like, that is a decision. Anytime we make decisions, there will be detractors and distractors. So if you decide today, here's what happened. I decided that I was going to start working out. It kind of started before the new year, but my wife and I decided together we were going to start working out. You know what happened? Uh, Family came in town for a week and stayed with us for a week. And I didn't want to work out my fat self in front of my mother-in-law and father-in-law, but I did anyway. Then we got the opportunity to go serve some churches in Richmond, Kentucky. And we got up at 4 in the morning because we had to be at the airport at 5 to do our half-hour workout at 4 in the morning because we knew we wouldn't get it done in the rest of the day. And then when we got into Kentucky, we had these long, long days, long, long days, and we're tired and full and ate some greasy fat food and all that stuff, and we got back to our hotel room at 9 o'clock and it knew we had to get up the next morning again early, and guess what we did? Worked out and just about wanted to puke. When I made that decision, all of the distractors are coming. To, to, to draw, there's some sort of a force that wants to take you away from the good things in life, from your good decisions and your good choices. It's easier almost to do the wrong things. Distractors will come. 
surrounding ourselves with people who will help, uh, help us uphold God's standard in our lives is crucial to success. You have to be in a relationship. If you're not in a care group, start one. Talk about what we talk about every week in the text. Experience it together. We can't do that. There's too many people in this room right now for one person to pastor. Do you know that? If you were the best pastor ever and you had the most unlimited skills, you could not pastor and shepherd this group of people in here that we have today. Our church is not designed to do that. You have to experience life with others that have gone before you and are farther along and that are reaching, that you're reaching down to help. You have to. The biggest obstacle uh, to sustain proper decision-making uh, is my own discouragement. You talk to you 80% of the time. What are you telling yourself? You're a mighty man of valor? You're a mighty lady of valor? You believe in yourself? God, you do hold me in your hand. God, I do trust you with my finances. Boy, these numbers don't look like they're really going to work out, but I trust you. What are you saying to yourself? You talk to you the most. We must have people around us that will keep us focused and encouraged. And as we go into communion, uh, Aaron had done this drawing that was pretty insightful for me on a training we were doing. And uh, he called it the truth bubble. I hope we do a sermon on this someday. And he drew this bubble on this, uh, on this whiteboard as we were doing this training for a church. And he said, so here's the truth. And he had all these little bubbles at the top. This is like the truth of whatever the scenario is. But our minds have to close the loop. And so if there's unleft space that isn't filled up in this bubble of truth, we fill it up. And we may fill it up with things that aren't even true, but we put it all into this thing that we call true. We got to have people around us to help us discern if, we're, if the story that we're telling ourselves in our head is accurate. And you got to let them into your life. And you're not going to let them into your life sitting here on a Sunday, uh, sitting next to somebody and, and talking for two minutes. It's going to take time. Got to get into community. Got to get into relationships. So some of us are in need uh, to make a decision today about tithing. Check the box. Yep, I'm going to tithe. Good. Awesome. And you'll be able to tell if you're tithing. Just like you'll be able to tell who's working out and who's not. <laughs> right? You'll be able to tell if I keep working out. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you won't if I keep eating peanut butter parfaits, but you'll be able to tell. Um, so some of us need to make that decision. Some of you need to make a decision about a relationship, and I believe that God's putting that on your heart in here today. There, I believe there's, there's some broken relationships in here, maybe even amongst each other, or maybe it's a family member that you know you know that you're supposed to make that right. Five, four, three, two, one, go call them. Call them. Go get in your car and call them. Set up an appointment to meet with them. Restore relationship. That's what our God's about. Some of you may even be in here today and you're like, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. You know that coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. You may be coming today wondering about your faith. You may be here today going like, I don't know about this. I'm second-guessing this. What is this church thing? And maybe today's your day where you're going to believe it. You're going to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You're going to make a decision for the God of this Bible to chase him and pursue him, not just in money, but in relationships. 
and you're going to be used for him for his greatness forever. That may be you today. God, as you're putting this on our hearts, Lord, I just ask you to just work the room here, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is here. You know. Lord, and I love the fact that we get to take communion. We get to reset our lives. We get to reset, Father God, our hearts towards you. And what does it look like, Father, to be with you? So, Lord, I need to reset this week. Help me reset my perspective, my focus. Me, Josh Gray, nobody else. Let them, let them, you deal with them, Lord, deal with me. Help me to reset my focus on you and my eyes on you. If you need to reset, let's reset together. That night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he took it and said, take this and eat. This is my body, which was given for, for us. Let's take it and eat. And he took the cup saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant. Make a covenant with God today. Lord, I just thank you for today. I pray and hope your word came out clearly, Lord. Your heart came out here, Lord. Um, I just ask for your hands to just to, to, to work on our hearts this week, work through text, work through other people, Lord. Let us have some amazing God appointments here, Father. Uh, that you would just have ordained for us. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this time with my brothers and sisters, with my family here, Lord. Uh, we love you and we praise you. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com. 